Hey, it's Alana. And Jacqueline. And welcome back to another episode of Black and Yellow, you guys. Summer edition. It is hot, hot, hot. We're in the hundreds every day here. We're living our best hot girl summer lives. And we have another hot episode for you. Yeah. Yeah. Here it is, guys. (laughs) So as you guys all know, Jackie and I are both actors. Mm-hmm. And being an actor is a pretty stressful job. It's stressful enough to land the part. But once you land the part, if you are an actor of color, a different stress and anxiety takes over. And that is the stress and anxiety of walking into the hair and makeup trailer and hoping and praying to God that there is an artist, makeup or hair, that can do black hair that can work with black hair texture style black hair or do makeup for people who are differently complected from them i.e darker skin people or people that just aren't white so i have a question for you jack yes ask away that was a really nice any, introduction oh thank you do you have any hair and makeup on set horror stories that you feel comfortable sharing uh, yeah, I feel very comfortable sharing because I don't have any. <laughs> oh, ha, ha. we'll put a rose on your nose. You're, you're so, so lucky. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sure you're definitely not uh, happy with that answer. But th- that that really is the truth. I, I've never and this is something when you had actually come to me the other day and told me about this situation, I had a moment where I was like, oh, my gosh. I've never even had to think about that at all my entire life. And I can't, I, it must, it must really be troublesome. I mean, truth be told, I'm incredibly envious that you've never had to deal with this problem because it's for for at least actors of color, specifically African-American actors. It's a stress, not just once we hit the hair and makeup trailer, it's a stress from the minute we get the audition notification. Right. Because hair and makeup stress, we get the audition notification. It's like, okay, first things first, most black actors can rock a couple of different hairstyles that can uh, get them cast in a couple of different roles, depending on what the role is looking for aesthetically. And so for me, I tend to go back and forth between straight hair and curly hair. So immediately when I get an audition notification, the first pang of anxiety is, okay, what do they want me to do with my hair? So the first thing you... The first thing you always think about is your hair. Well, it's one of those. No, it's an anxiety that goes through me when I see an audition notification because it can go one of two ways. It's either my hair is straight. I've just gotten it straightened. I've just spent 60 bucks to get it straightened. Are they going to want me to go in with curly hair effectively, Um, like washing away all of this work and washing my $60 down the drain? Oh, God. Or, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Or my hair is curly and I need to be straight, but I have a 9 a.m. audition, which means I will be in the salon at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning and hopefully my stylist can get me straightened and I can get onto my audition on time, which generally happens. It's just that stress of, oh, my God, what is my hair supposed to look like? OK, oh, it's an early morning audition. OK, do I have to go to the salon? Oh, no, I don't have to go to the salon. Great. Oh, I have to go to the salon. Ugh. OK, another added stress and expense before I even audition for a job that I might not book. That's insane. Yeah, before you drive... An hour in traffic and show up and you're in the room for possibly maybe up to three minutes. Yep. And and then they look at you and they go, thank you. Have a nice day. And you're like, 
Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, and like, fingers crossed, I pray to God that the callback, that if I get a callback, I don't have, you know, a, a curly-haired audition in the midst of that, because that would mean I would have to go all the way back to get my hair straightened to make it to the callback. And if I book the job, that's amazing, great. But then there's that surge of anxiety of, okay, I've gotten the job. I don't know if there's going to be a hair or makeup person on set that has ever worked with my hair type before. So yeah. I need to go to the salon the day before, get it washed, get it col- get it washed, um, get it cut, trimmed, whatever, have it up to snuff, essentially prepping the hair so that once I get to set, if there's no one who's ever dealt with black hair before, I'm at least halfway prepared. Right. So do you have an experience where you did book a job and then you did go on set and then you realized, oh, like they don't no one knows what to do with my hair? Like, Yes, I actually had it more. Walk us through that experience. I've actually had it more for makeup than for hair because I come to set with my hair prepped. So they never even have to worry about your hair. Right. So it's essentially when I get to set, it's styling. Like no one is straightening and blow drying my hair on set. It's essentially just, okay, what do we want? A top knot and bangs? We can do that. But we're starting with freshly cleaned, straightened hair. So yeah, I have had this experience on set. This was back in my non-union days. And I'll get to why union and non-union makes a difference in a minute. But It was on my first gigs, I think, right out of college. I graduated, I would say it was in 2010, 2011. So, Uh like, eight or nine years ago. Yeah. And, sorry, seven or eight years ago. And it was a non-union dance gig for, like, a an online promo of sorts. And a friend of mine, African-American friend, got me the job. And so I showed up on set and generally, I show up with like what I consider my base makeup. So concealer, foundation, mascara, blush, bronzer. Like if anything, I always show up to set with that uh-huh. uh, in my in my arsenal. So I showed up. The makeup artist was very young. She seemed like she was just out of cosmetology school. And she had all the makeup laid out. And I scanned all the makeup. And none of the colors looked like they were colors that were fit for a black girl. And she was very excited about a frosty, pink, shimmery eyeshadow. She could not stop talking about how excited she was to use it on all of the girls. Oh, my God. It's going to be so great. And all I could think was pink? frosty pink for a black girl oh my god this is not going to go well Uh and so as she started doing my makeup application she had no foundation colors or concealer colors thank god I had those but as she started to do the eyeshadow and my face began to fall because I started to notice oh god this frosty pink eyeshadow is not my color oh god this is not going well frosty pink not my thing and so she would say things like how do you like it? Isn't it so pretty? And then after a while, she would catch my face in the mirror. And so she would say things like, it's not going to be so shiny. I'm going to take it down. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. Oh, boy. It was not getting any better. Oh, no. It was not getting any better. And so at a certain point in time, she turned me around from the mirror so I couldn't see the work that was happening. Uh-huh. And when she turned me back around to face the mirror, I looked a hot mess. I looked an ashy, pinky, high school, Ashley Tisdale gone bad, 
hot mess of a makeup application. Oh, no. And I felt so, so, so ugly. And I think that the woman who did my makeup knew I wasn't happy about it, but still offered the half-hearted, how do you like it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I was like... Oh, okay. You know, it's cool. Uh huh. Right. It's also like Quickly, it's also like your first job, and yeah, you're new. So you and- don't want to rock the boat and be like ungrateful for the opportunity that you've just been given, the money that you're about to well, make, and you want to be you professional. Also- True. Yeah. I also don't want to like hurt feelings. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. 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 But. That being said, I looked like an ashy hot mess and felt super ugly. Excused myself quickly to the restroom. And my friend who got me the job caught me on the way and was like, hey, what's going on? You look sad. She took one look at my face and she was like, oh, okay, I get it. Come here. I got some makeup in the back of my car. So she had like actual colors. She had like a full eyeshadow palette, all those things. So between her makeup and my makeup, we were able to redo my face and I felt pretty. But... That experience never left me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, and that experience never left me because not only is that all too common of a problem on sets where you have makeup artists that are not familiar with African-American skin or hair, or even worse, they try and figure it out once we're in the hair and makeup chair, which if you're trying to figure it out, that's too late. Yeah, there's no, you shouldn't be figuring it out on set. Right, exactly. And that problem is something that a lot of black actors face. Um, Earlier this year, a hashtag was launched, which was hashtag acting while black, which addresses this exact problem, this problem of black actors showing up on set and there's no hair and makeup people that can address their unique uh, hair and beauty needs. So it started this summer. It's actually started with a model. And uh, in March of 2019, so March of this year, a model named Olivia Akenway, Akenway, excuse me, she's 21 years old. She is a psychology major who also happens to model for some of the world's biggest fashion designers. So in essence, she is black beauty and excellence incarnate. And she started this conversation after um, showing up for a runway show, but there was no one to do her hair and makeup. So she says, I was asked to get out of an empty chair, followed by hairstylists blatantly turning their backs to me when I would walk up to them to get my hair done. If I'm asked to wear my natural hair for a show, the team should be prepared to style just as they practice the look and demo for non-Afro hair. I arrived backstage when they planned to do corn rolls, but no one person on the team knew how to do them without admitting so. After one lady attempted and pulled my edges relentlessly, I stood up to find a model who could possibly do it. After asking two models and then the after asking two models and then the lead slash only nail stylist, she was taken away from her job doing nails to do my hair. So the only person who was trained backstage on this fashion show to do black hair was a nail technician. That blows my mind. Right. Like what a gross oversight because I feel like we're in this holding pattern where natural hair is being celebrated and oh my God, it's so pretty. It's so great. We're celebrating it. But yet when we are put in positions where we have to go to work and look our best, like being a model or an actor, there's no one to make us feel pretty. There's no one to... Um, effectively do their job of being a hair and makeup artist to 
multiple walks of life. Yeah, I think it is. It was pretty mind blowing to me because as 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 an outsider, right, as someone who is not black and doesn't have black hair, I was still somehow shocked because black people versus Asians in the media. I mean, there's still a lot of underrepresentation, but I can name a lot more famous black actors and black movies than I can Asian movies and and Asian actors. And so at least in America, right? Yeah. And so I think it's just a complete lack of either not listening or not being aware. And when I was reading, like, there are so many articles now, like Gabrielle Sinebe talking about it, Gabrielle Union talking about how um, the, even the entire process, because most of these jobs, like you said, are union, which is mm-hmm. which is great, But because there's a lot more money in union. And then I just even think, well, then it, it's even worse for non-union. Um, right. But the process of becoming a part of the union as a makeup artist and hairstylist, that process, I, I, that process seems to be so difficult, especially for black makeup artists, for people to do black hair. And if you think about how many black actresses and actors had to do their hair before or go out of their way to pay someone out of their pocket to do their mm-hmm. hair, to, for their hair to look a certain way that they want on set. Right. Yeah, because mind you, black actors showing up prepared with their kits is not uh, covered by studios. No, not at all. We're paying for that out of pocket. So our prepping hair appointments or having to some people buy new wigs, buy extensions, buy clip-ins, will buy a uh, whole new makeup kit or will bring their flat iron or will bring their brush or their gel like African-American beauty kits are so extensive and it's not because we want to have to trek to set with all of our beautifying uh, products. It's that we have to safeguard ourselves from looking like a hot mess on screen. Right. And I think and that's not cheap. Right. Oh, my gosh. Not at all. Like, I think you're doing your job as the model and actor booking the job, showing them that you can deliver and play that role. You're doing your job as an artist and then you go on set and they're not taking care of you, you know, because of the discrimination of your hair of because of lack of whatever. And the fact that I mean, there was such a good point on this Huffington Post article um, where uh she also said, um, Olivia also said that black hairstylists are required to know how to do everyone's hair. But yep. why does the same not apply to others? I mean, black yeah. hairstylists know how to do white people, Asian people, Latinos hair. And how mm-hmm. come those people aren't trained to do black people hair? Yeah, definitely. You we know? sort of touched on this topic a little bit when we were talking about black hair and our black hair episode in the sense that. As African-Americans, we know white beauty products. We know white shampoos and conditioners and hair products. But most white you're people also, cannot. Go ahead. You're also bombarded. You're like bombarded by white yes. products, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I guarantee you my white friends could not tell me five hair products that I use. They can tell me one. They can definitely tell me Miss Jessie's Curly Pudding because it has a very distinct sweet fragrance that can really take over a room. It smells delicious and it's my curl activator. But other than that, I don't think any of my friends could tell me four more or even four more black hair care um, brands. 
Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. I I read this one part in the article, which is really interesting, about how Gabrielle Sinebe will actually go and talk to the director to discuss what her hairstyle should be. She can convince the directors if she could just have hair or cornrows or braids or something, so she could just get that done and not have to burden the set with any sort of extra work. Right. So what we would call that in the black community are protective styles. Oh, right. That's what she said. Yeah. So what Gabourey is talking about is if uh, if a production cannot hire or don't have money, hair and make like we'll just focus on hair. If if a production doesn't have money to bring on someone who is specifically trained in African-American hair or hairstylings. I'm saying this assuming that the uh, the hair artists that they have already hired are not well-versed in doing black hair. Um, Gabarone right, other- talking <laughs> about suggesting protective styles. And in the black community, sometimes when our hair is in transition, let's say that we're growing our hair out from being perm to going back to our natural texture, or we're growing it long, or just to, pr- to uh, protect it from environmental factors and damage, we'll utilize what's called protective hair styles. So that would be rope twists or Senegalese twists. If maybe braiding isn't your strong suit, you would just twist together. You would twist two pieces of hair and then twist the twist together. Hence, a Senegalese twist. Uh, bantu knots or box braids or really any kind of braids or yarn faux locks, or corn roll updos, or crocheted twists. Those are all examples of protective hairstyles. They're important because when our hair is in transition, we still have to look presentable in public. I mean, you don't want like a random explosion of hair coming out the side of your head. (laughs) And so we utilize protective hairstyles to cut down on the amount of work that we have to do on our hair on a day-to-day basis. You can also see a lot of protective hairstyles if there's any Real Housewives fans out there. Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of Potomac, you see a lot of protective hairstyles on those shows because it's hot in Atlanta. It's Mm, hot in Potomac. I see. And so you might not have a hairstylist on staff that can do your hair every day. And so a lot of these women, or wigs or weaves, a lot of these women employ protective hairstyles to make them look hot on screen, but also keep them cool, keeps the hair off their face, keeps them looking presentable, things like that. But yeah, that's exactly what Gabourey is talking about. If um, if there's no one that can do her hair, she'll take matters into her own hands to make sure that she's not looking a wreck on TV, which, listen, Gabourey Sidibe, I completely understand it. Yeah, that's 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 a tough one. Um, I love... Like- uh, go ahead. I liked what Olivia had to say uh, after this runway show. She took to the good old Twitter. Or I'm sorry. She took to the good old Instagram to say, this is not okay. This will never be okay. This needs to change. No matter how small your team is, make sure you have one person that is competent at doing Afro texture hair care or just hire a black hairstylist, which is easier said than said than done, than done, than done, required to know how to do everyone's hair Why does the same not apply to others? It does not matter if you don't specialize in Afro hair. As a continuous learner in your field, you should be open to what you have to accomplish. Take a class. I was ignored. I was forgotten. And I felt that. Unfortunately, I'm not alone. Black models with Afro texture hair continuously face these similar unfair and disheartening circumstances. It's 2019. It's time to do better. Couldn't agree with you more. But she wasn't the only model to talk about this problem. 
In 2017, another model named London Myers posted a time-elapsed video of herself backstage at a runway show that she was hired to do. And all you see in the video is her wearing her headphones, waiting for a hair stylist to come over and work with her, and no one ever does. You see a bunch of women in the background getting their hair done, getting their makeup done, but no one approaches London Meyer because her hair texture is different. And I'm assuming the fear is, oh, 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 if we don't touch it, if we don't deal with it, then it's not there. Or it's not uncommon for white hairstylists on set to just not want to touch or deal with black hair because... The thought is, if I the, the less I deal with it because I don't know about it, the better it'll be. Let's just treat it like it's fine, like it's normal. I don't have to deal with it. But any minute that the wind blows, white actors are getting their hair touched up by white hairstylists. I wish I could say that this was just a, a, a single problem only had by little mm-hmm. Alana. But unfortunately, You're not little. no, many, many actors. And You're tall. <laughs> unfortunately, no, many black actors and Hollywood feel this way. Yaha Abdul Mateen II. He was an actor so in Aquaman. He says 100 percent of black actor and actresses I've spoken to on this topic face the same thing in our film and television industry. Hairstylists in our industry should have proper training and be able to show proof. Too often they begin to, quote, figure it out the second we sit in the chair. Malcolm Barnett says most black actors get their hair cut or styled outside of set, often at their own expense, because Hollywood hairstylists are one size fits all. And that all does not include black hair. This has been my experience for the last 20 years in the business, and it hasn't changed at all. Hashtag acting while black. Hashtag or uh, at its Tierra Dashi says I've also had a hairstylist not touch me up because she was scared to touch my hair. Meanwhile, she was running up to the white actors to fix their hair every time the wind blew. Hashtag acting while black. Yvette Nicole Brown says, most actresses come to set with their hair done, me, or bring their wigs and clip-ins with them. It's either take that or take a chance that you will look crazy on screen. Many of us bring our own foundation, too. One too many times seeing no shade that matches will make you learn. Or how about Lonnie Love, who says, honey, I have brought my whole damn glam kit. Flat irons, pink lotion, shea butter at times during a new set. I'm tired of looking gray. (laughs) I'm tired of looking ashy gray with red (laughs) lips. Or perhaps Gabrielle Union has my favorite statement where she says the pressure to be Quote, just happy they picked you and you got the job. Don't ask for the same things every model actor gets on GP. Listen, if you stay quiet, you will have bald spots, hair damage, look nuts, though they will tell you it's cute. And so it's a pretty frustrating cycle, to be completely honest with you. Because it feels like you can't win. Because the hardest thing about this conundrum is that you can't just, when I say you, I mean, what insert your favorite black actor or actress here. They can't just call their personal hair and makeup stylist and say, hey, can you come work with me on this project? That's not how it works. Because, as we spoke before in the episode, the hair and makeup artists that work on sets have to be a part of the union. I think, yeah, I oh, think the that union. would be the 
key to it all. I mean, Gabrielle Union does also tweet that um, she says what a lot of industry folks don't realize that you can't just use your normal hairstylist, barber's makeup on an union job. And most jobs are union. And it's because those artists have to be in the union and getting them has in the union has never been easy or smooth ever, like ever and tweet. And I think that would be honestly, that would be the answer to it all, because in order to get black makeup artists on set, they have to be in the union. So figure a way to get them into the union easier. And I honestly, I don't know why it has to be so difficult to get into the union for for a makeup artist. They have to like log in over a thousand hours per week paid. And if there mm-hmm. aren't I mean, there's the competition at all, but like they just they have to like somehow streamline the process. But then I'm thinking like in my head as a person, like an outsider, I can name you so many shows that have black stars on them that are either have some sort of person mm-hmm. of color involved in being a producer or director or a showrunner. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think maybe it does come down to studio executives and, you know, asking or demanding like obviously I know Jordan Peele and a lot of other directors have demanded to have only um black makeup artists and hairstylists for their black actors like on on us um I almost said this is us which also has Mm -hmm. black which also has black actors on um something different yeah but this whole idea of you know moving towards inclusion and recognizing that wow there have been so many black awesome movies that have been made that have won academy awards that have that have done so much to to you know further um diversity and inclusion and education and that 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 process of becoming part of the union um is sort of what is kind of holding it all holding them all back is what it feels like well i think union yeah, I don't I'm a, I disagree a little bit. I don't think it's just unionizing. I think the bigger issue is education. Yes, unionizing is very difficult. I agree with with uh Gabrielle Union. I was going to say Gabrielle Sidibe, but I agree with Gabrielle Union that getting into the union is never easy and smooth. That goes for actors or writers everyone. or directors or makeup artists like unionize. Yeah, everyone across the board that has to unionize in the entertainment industry, it's never a quick and smooth process for the most part. But in terms of unionizing, um, there is, so there's, there's two different unions for hair and makeup artists. There's the local 706, which is the makeup artists and hairstylist guild. But then there is also, I believe it is called mm-hmm. the 798. And that is for East Coast talent. So 706 is West Coast. 798 is, uh, for East Coast hair and makeup artists, New York and Washington, D.C. So unions are important because they keep yeah. artists Provide health care. They make sure that you're being paid fairly. They make sure that you're not being overworked. You're being fed properly. You can pay into your pension. There's a lot of reasons to unionize. However, getting into the union, if you were a hair and makeup artist, the catch-22 is that if you work on photo if you work on projects that do not gain you union hours you're not then qualified so as per refinery 29's article on this very topic they do a great job of breaking it down it says these unions provide necessary protection for and makeup artists 
Uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Tashika Sturavent Drew, owner of TSD Hair and a professional hairstylist who works with Kerry Washington and Willow Smith, has been a member of local 798 union for nearly 14 years. She says, quote, the benefits are hands down the most vital part of the union. Because of this, my children's health care is covered and I am able to receive a pension. However, getting into the union is difficult understanding how to get into the union is also very, very tricky. In prep for this episode, I logged on to the IATSE Local 798 website to just get the base parameters of how to join the union. And my God, that reading is so dense and so confusing. I understand why it's hard to get into the union. You can't even understand the requirements that are asked of you. So I need it. So please. I'm going to be taking this. <laughs> Refinery29 oh, has a breakdown. Thank you, Refinery29. So, th- thank you. You are saving us in terms of bringing this information to the people. So it's a, a detailed, multi-pronged application process, let it be known. It includes providing 180 days of paid work, proof of 18 months in a local 798 jurisdiction, in-person interviews, and a $3,500 initiation fee upon invitation to join. I've also read other articles that have stated different initiation costs, up to six grand. So I'm assuming that every local guild has its own entry fee price. I'm assuming. And so... The local 798 website states that print, editorial, photo shoots, wedding shoots, and salon work, which is how most makeup artists and hairstylists get their start, are not considered jobs covered under union contracts. So that's the funny catch-22. The place where hair and makeup artists cut their teeth, those jobs are not applicable to getting them into the union, which is why you have so few African African American hair and makeup artists in the union. To be clear, I tried to get the racial demographics of the local 706 guild and the 798 guild. Uh, they are nowhere to be found that I could see. So I I wonder why that's happening. Pause. These stipulations of not being able to work certain jobs but having to work other jobs make it really difficult for hairstylists and makeup artists who are super established, really talented, and strong in their field. It makes it hard for them to break into the union. Nakia Collins, she's a hairstylist to Beyonce, Tia Mowry, and Yvonne Orji, says that many of her clients have outsourced her for styling prior to working on union sets. She says... I've had clients fight to have me on their sets and get shut down because I'm not a union stylist. I've also been brought onto sets that were unionized and have been told to sit in the trailer since I physically couldn't be on set, which is crazy because she's so experienced and she's just what the union needs. And she probably has worked a ton on other projects that were just not specific to be to get her into the union which to me is like a very very crazy thought yeah it's it's so ridiculous i think and especially when you have stars you know that are actually vouching for you or wanting you or needing you um you know like i know as actors you can get tapped hardly you know if all of a sudden Mm -hmm. a production really 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 wants you and you've never you know it's different for actors as it as it is for every 
every part of um, production. But if you are on the production end and Steven Spielberg is like, I need this actress, he's going to get her, Mm -hmm. right? So if, I don't know, Oprah Winfrey or... Um, Lupita Nyong'o is saying, I need this person to do my hair, then why doesn't that same, which I'm sure there is some kind of rule for that, but there sh- it should be applicable. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is a star request. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're, I mean, I think that happens a lot where you almost need a mega producer or a mega director or a mega talent to vouch for you or to really champion for you in order to get you onto a very specific set, which is, it's disheartening and it's great. It's disheartening in the sense that great talent should stand on its own and should be allowed to uh, flex their creative muscles. And it's also sort of sad because it's like, you know, not everyone has a mega producer or a mega star at their disposal to be their champion. Right. I think I think it's fundamental in wanting to look good and feel good and being on set. So just because you are a mega star and you have a lot of power doesn't mean that you can have better hair than any other black actor or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like when it, right. I think when it comes down to just like basic human functions and needs like rights. Um, you know, it, it's still it's still pretty sad um, and disheartening in the sense that, you know, Hollywood still has a lot of work to do um, in this area of of inclusion and, and and making all people of color feel normal. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's totally right, because I don't think white actors and actresses have to deal with this problem. Yeah. Like a couple of times that I've been on set and a white actress has been like, I don't like my hair. It it takes me everything to be like, at least you got someone that knows how to do your hair. Like right. you're talking about an aesthetic dislike that in this particular context is a luxury. It is a luxury to have someone who can do your hair and makeup and is skilled at it and you just not like it. Well, and like- it's a whole different thing when someone's not skilled and you do and they do your hair and makeup and you have to act like you like it and then are expected to do your job well right the fact that you have to act like you like it and this person could potentially be burning your hair or damaging your hair or giving you bald spots like dick gabrielle union said and this also takes me back to another point that i said that you know as an artist you're 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 doing your job you're showing up you're ready to model the clothes you're ready to deliver your lines you're ready to have a really intimate moment with your partner the last thing you should be worried about is what you're going to look like. That's the whole point of being on a production is that they have people to do that for you. Your job as, yeah. as an actor is not to show up and have a perfect look or a perfect hair because they know what they want you to look like. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you can have your own personal ideas, your own personal choices. But the fact that all this extra work and all this extra money and all this extra time has to be put in because of something that they're not offering for you is just something that is it shouldn't exist but it does (laughs) yeah that shouldn't an extra added stress to an already stressful job in an already stressful career you know what i mean like there's too much anxiety in this career in general like let's not add to that right like should i also bring my own toilet paper and my own snacks (laughs) like (laughs) sorry like to go go to that level but but i i'm sure i mean you can i'm sure you guys can relate like 
Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. And I think that while Hollywood, it's great that Hollywood is telling more diverse stories from more from different perspectives. Uh, we're having more people of color on screen. We've got to make sure that the people that are behind the camera that are responsible for making us look acceptable to go on screen are yeah. also skilled. Because the reality yeah. in Hollywood is that one out of every 10 director is a director of color. And I believe mm -hmm. it's 1.5 out of every 10 actors, 10 lead actors is an actor of color. So I mean, if you think about those, those uh, figures, we have a long way to go. And while you have your Jordan Peels and your Spike Lees and your Will Packers and your Ryan Kuglers, who really from the top down and Jordan Peel, how could I forget? Oh my goodness. Uh, really you from the him. top down. Did I? Yeah, you yes. said him twice. <laughs> oh, perfect. Awesome. I yes. love I love Jordan. He's so nice. I talk about him twice. Um, <laughs> well, yes, the, the power does start at the top. If you have black producers that can trickle down to black directors, which can trickle down to black heads of department, to black actors, so on and so forth. We can't we need to empower our white studio heads and our white producers and our white directors to feel comfortable asking feedback from their actors in terms of like the hair and makeup and if they're getting what they need. I think if you can have these more fluid conversations on set, it becomes less of a problem uh, on Twitter and Instagram where people are, are airing grievances. I think it just would Seriously. be better for productions all around. If we we're, just we're, had... Uh -huh, go go for it. I was just going to say, it seems like we're in this area where we're like... You know, I could go to the department of uh, makeup and tell them my um, my complaint or my need, but I'm actually going to revert to Twitter because then the whole world can see what I'm dealing with and then the whole world's going to demand it and it'll be public, right? Yeah, it creates a healthier <laughs> workplace environment if these, com if these uh, conversations are being held in the workplace and not on the interweb where everyone can see. It's just Tell better for it. studios. It's better for actors, it's better for agents and managers. It's just better for everyone all around. Yeah. But I also think that we need to start demanding more education mm. for our future cosmetologists of the world. I feel like we're in this era of YouTube beauty tutorials and Instagram makeup gurus. I'm saying that in Tell quotation them, marks. And you, YouTube and Instagram are not uh, substitutions for beauty school. If you want to be in the beauty world, you got to go to beauty school. It's not enough. You can just know how to do makeup on someone that looks like you or just do makeup on yourself. The best kind of talent can work on various hair types and skin types. And let me be very clear. I'm not talking about someone who is comfortable with black hair. I don't want someone who's comfortable with my hair doing my hair. I want someone who is informed and knows exactly what the fuck is up working on my hair. And I think that totally starts with education. I think that yeah. we should demand more education in terms of multicultural beauty education for up and coming cosmetologists and makeup artists. I think that the and I think that the the education should continue. Beauty is always changing. It feels like there's a new skin type born or a new complexion, excuse me, born every single day who's going to need makeup and who's going to need someone to make them feel beautiful. So I think that it is also a responsibility on hair and makeup artists to continue their education. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I and mean, I have a couple makeup artist friends, and I really think I don't I, I, I don't know enough about um, it, but I would really hope that they have, you know, a whole class just devoted to African-Americans, you know, a whole class dedicated to, you know, uh, X, Y, and Z. But, like, they have, you know, they have, like, they have film makeup, and then they do, you know, they do special effects, and then they do, um, you know, like, costuming, and they, they have all these different kinds, and I really think there needs to be a whole section devoted to African-Americans and getting African-American models in there to, to, to for them to learn, because... They have to learn, right? I think it should be multicultural all across the board. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a given. Asian skin types and African-American skin types and hair types and Hispanic-American skin types and hair types. Like, I think it should be a full 360 multicultural education. Yeah, like, there definitely needs to be a program devoted, a curriculum, like, like for ethnicities, you know? Yeah, absolutely. As as the world and Hollywood seems to be becoming more and more diverse and inclusion and all of these things, and I think the curriculum has to reflect that. Yeah, it's a commitment to continuous education that I think, to me, is the number one factor in all of this. Right. And I think if we can just continue the education so that when black actors, models, musicians sit in makeup chairs... They don't feel with a, a full day of work ahead of them. They're not already overcome with terror and anxiety about does this person who I've never met, whose work I've never seen, can they do black hair? Are they right? You know, and I've also <laughs> never seen their work and I don't really know them. So it's like, well, I only know what they're telling me. Are they telling me the truth? Because like, let's be real. They're trying to keep their job. I'm trying to keep my job. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So on and here, so forth. Right. And here I am about to like do a love scene with an actor that I just met. Right. And I have to figure out if I'm going to have my hair in the right place. Like, that's just a whole nother layer that as an artist, as an actor, as a model, as anything, you should be focused on, and on, you know, uh, just being able to live, deliver. And I think those things being in your way isn't going to help. Yeah. And finally, I think, at least for me, I really like what Gabrielle Union had to say about not getting caught in the I'm just so thankful to be here trap. I think as as performers, as people, we have power, our voices have power and we should use them. But I think we should use them in the right places and in the right ways. Um, how is a studio or a production to know that a problem is happening in hair and makeup if we're not talking about it? And I think that just has to start with us having conviction in our beliefs and knowing that it's OK to mention something that you think is difficult it's okay to speak up on an issue that you think needs addressing as long as we're doing it in a a tactful way we're not calling out people we're calling people in and having loving conversations yeah and i think ultimately again it's like we're fighting the same fight like these people these black actors and black models that are calling out the industry aren't doing it to obviously you know create more hate or you know separation or anything but it's they have a need and that need needs to be delivered and they're all we're all on the same side here no one is saying you know well actually we don't want any black makeup artists or hair like yeah we want more you know like yeah we're we're with you guys we want to have our pick we want it to be like a chorus line of african-american or just multicultural hair and makeup artists right just like remembering that yeah, it causes maybe a little bit of a stir and some backlash and some oohs and some ahs. 
but that ultimately, you know, it's all for the same cause. And I think a black person will benefit by tweeting and 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 hearing these hearing and seeing and reading these tweets by celebrities, but so will someone who's Latino or Asian, right. you know? So I think remembering that again, which is what we kind of always seem the theme of our show, we always kind of start to go back to like it's all the same fight and it's all, you know, for like one love that 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 don't get don't let that get too much in your way of of feeling mm-hmm. um you know um taking it like a little too personal or you know seeing like seeing the togetherness the working together the working towards something versus the separation for sure cuz ultimately yeah. we're just trying to not have minorities feel demoralized and um marginalized and if you don't yeah. have onset proficiently trained people to make us look beautiful we're feeling marginalized and it's, exactly. it's demoralizing and we're not going to give you the best performance that we could because right. we're right. Uh, overcome with feeling like a hot mess. You said it. <laughs> Finally, let's just not look like hot messes on screen. Let's just agree <laughs> to do that. And we and let's uplift our black, Asian, Latino, uh, Indian American yep. hair and makeup artists. We need more of you guys out there in the union. Yep, yep, I agree. I think if you are in any place of power or in any place of demanding or asking, even if you're not, say it anyway, do it anyway. If you're un- un- you just graduated from from college, if if you didn't graduate from college and you find yourself on set on a non-union set, say something. If you are on a union set, say something. If you are a black makeup artist and you have something like just start, you know, just start talking about it more and the more we talk the more things will happen action will 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 start to happen and it'll be slow but it'll it'll happen and that's the only way you know for sure yeah empowerment is key yeah absolutely i mean i i i'm gonna look at the i i'm gonna be on set next time and look at it completely differently now um Mm. and so because of you thank you alana my eyes are open and now i'm educated and if i can somehow help and aid um, somehow, even if it's just by being here and supporting you guys and talking about this and, um, you know, having an awareness, someone else is going to have it, you know? Definitely. Yeah. That's what the show's all about. Yeah. Well, that is our show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. This episode of Black and Yellow was produced by Christian Humes over at Zeit Heist. We are the Black and Yellow podcast. You can find us on the gram at Black and Yellow podcast. I am Alana Webster. You can find me on the gram at Renegade of Fun. I am Jacqueline Chung-Young on the gram. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe rate and review it helps us keep our baby going and helps us to you know uh to give you these shows that are that are full of love and energy and um keep keep the ball rolling yeah guys well one love stay woke and we will talk to you next week bye-bye